0: This is Rising Up with Sonali and I'm your host Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. The United States ground war in Afghanistan officially wrapped up with the last of the armed troops being flown out on Monday, August 30th, mere weeks before the 20th anniversary of the longest official modern war in U.S. history. The Biden administration has left behind tens of thousands of Afghan security forces and officials who worked with the U.S. government. Many had approved U.S. visas, but are now stuck in a nation where the Taliban has all but resumed official rule. Just days before ground troops left, American unmanned drones dropped bombs on targets that government officials said were ISIS members responsible for a deadly Kabul airport attack. But the drone strike killed several civilians, members of the same family, including children. My guest is Hakeem Naim. He is a lecturer in history at the Northern Arizona University. He grew up in Afghanistan and lived in multiple countries as a refugee and immigrant before moving to the U.S. He's been a frequent guest on our program discussing the war. Welcome back, Hakeem.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you, Sonali, for having me.
0: So here it is, the war is officially over, but is it really for those who the United States has left behind, who I suppose were counting on the US keeping some promises? It seems as though just a new chapter of the war has begun.
1: Yes, actually, I don't think the war has ended, unfortunately, not just for those who are left behind and who work with the US and other uh, US allies, but for the rest of Afghan people, I think there are gonna be extensive drone wars coming. There are gonna be rise of multiple extremist groups such as ISIS-K or ISIS-Khorasan and other forces in Afghanistan. Unfortunately, this, uh, the, the, the US withdrawal is another transition to a new phase of war in Afghanistan.
0: The uh, drone attack in response to the Kabul airport uh, bombing, suicide bombing, uh, the U.S. has not said very much about it. And and it seems as though it followed the same script that the U.S. has followed in Afghanistan for many years, which is the first claimed that the strike only targeted militias or, or you know, armed uh, fundamentalists, and then when presented with evidence of civilians being killed to say that it, you know, first maybe to deny it and then to say that it will look into the matter and basically buy time before it slips out of the headlines. But shouldn't it have been front and center in newspapers that the U.S as it was leaving Afghanistan, dropped a drone attack and killed children. Among the adults killed was a person who I understand who had been a former U.S. military contractor.
1: Yes, that's true. Uh, Multiple children were unfortunately killed by the drone strikes. And as as you said, it was a pattern in the last 20 years. Most of the U.S. uh, air attacks, uh, drones or B-52s, Uh, The main casualty most of the time were the Afghan civilians in the last 20 years. Uh, And and I think uh, since the war is becoming a more uh, intelligent services war, the new phase, the contractors war, and and air bombardment is a very important option for this kind of wars, so uh, unfortunately we will see the killing of Afghans. Through drones. Uh, U.S. has a U.S. has a tradition of like denying it first, and then saying it, investigating it. We are investigating it, uh, and then slowly let's, let's try to kind of ease the, the 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 situation to be forgotten, right? And and U.S. is very master in 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 this propaganda uh, style when it comes to the civilian casualties. One another thing that I want to mention here was the bombing that uh, in a Kabul airport. I have multiple uh, sources told me on the ground that many of those casualties, more than 100 people, uh, were killed by US uh, soldiers shooting at the crowd. Wow.
0: Uh,
1: uh, Yes, at a a airport. So that's uh, if the US really want to investigate, should investigate that crime as well.
0: 170 people were killed in that attack and about, I understand, a dozen U.S. soldiers. So you're saying that, is it possi- that it's possible that the soldiers who were there panicked and just shot into the crowd, assuming that the, the assailants were in the crowd and, and ended up just killing civilians?
1: Exactly, yeah. There, there were bodies found with the bullets on them directly. And there were also uh, multiple sources on the ground. They were on that there they told news mag- uh, outlets and also uh, personal accounts that I'm in contact with them. They verified that information. I, I, I want to, if, if, if there's an investigation for the drone attacks, I wanted that investigation to include the shooting of the people at the Kabul airport as well. That's, that's very important.
0: So the what what is your assessment of you know before the uh, the attack on Kabul airport, the um, U.S. intelligence officers were getting reports, or even the Biden administration was saying openly that it did have reports of uh, some sort of imminent attack. But in general, what is your assessment of how the U.S. Um, allowed? the situation at Kabul airport to unfold. There were many reports that I was getting from people that I work with who said that the, it was the US soldiers that were standing in the way of Afghans flying out on private you know, airplanes paid for by private charities to third countries. So not even to the United States, but to countries like Uganda who had accepted Refugees that U.S. soldiers were preventing Afghans from taking off on aircraft that the U.S. had no nothing to do with to countries that the U.S. had nothing to do with.
1: Uh, that's true to some extent. I have uh, heard some accounts of similar preventing people to uh, from entering to the uh, to the to the airport. There are videos that the U.S. pushed women from the walls when they, they were climbing the walls like around the airport. Uh, but another thing is well, and go back to the question of that how this chaos of airport, airport unfolded uh, is that initially U.S. encouraged people to come to the airport. The first three days, people randomly were getting messages on their phone that you are selected to go to the U.S. or Canada and please come to the airport. On one occasions, U.S. sent to the applicants of a visa, SIV visa or other visas, uh, a, a, a visa style, kind of US visa style image without names that people could print it like hundreds of them and distribute it. And anyone could have that image of a visa and would run to the airport. So that was the initial stage that led to the chaos and gathering of the like, people. Of course, the other rumors of the, and there's, a, there's free ride to the US also contributed. But when it came to the, the next phase of, phase of it, when the US troops were on the ground at the airport, 6,000 of them, five to 6,000 of them, uh, the preventation or preventing people from entering the airport began. So that, that's also uh, contributed to that uh, bloody attack by ISIS That unfortunately more than 100 people were killed and hundreds other wounded.
0: So now the message basically is not that the Taliban are in charge of the country, the Taliban has declared victory. And from their perspective, it certainly seems like a Taliban victory. They've been promising for years that they will kick the U.S. out, the U.S. left. And the Taliban is in charge of all of the infrastructure that the U.S. built, including military infrastructure. So for those people who are in Afghanistan, whether they were people who worked with the U.S. government and therefore are sort of marked or even you know, people who are artists, like the folk singer who was taken out uh, in northern Kabul, out of his home and shot and killed by the Taliban. What what does the future hold?
1: Well, not not a bright future, unfortunately. Not even a manageable or livable future uh, for Afghans. Uh, there's a, there's a sense of chaos. There's a very dire economic uh, condition and situation in Afghanistan. Banks are closed. They're not. There's no cash. The price of food and groceries uh, is rising. So there's going to be a humanitarian catastrophe in terms of economy as well. Uh, when it comes to the, the Taliban and Talibanism, one thing that I, I want to emphasize here, the victory was not uh, the Taliban's victory. It was a surrender, a very uh, managed, controlled surrender by the U.S.-backed Afghan government with the help and information of US and its allies. Uh, Basis after the basis, surrender to the Taliban that enabled Taliban to quickly move to the gates of Kabul and then capture Kabul. That's something that I wanna make it it clear. Um, Coming to the the life of people, artists, musicians. Yes, uh, unfortunately, uh, musicians in the city and in the local areas, village musicians who were part of the Afghan traditions for century. They were now uh, um, some of them killed, some of them tortured, their instrumental instruments were broke um broken to pieces. So uh, we see like the, the Taliban of the 90s coming back, despite the fact that there's a liberal propaganda that the Taliban has changed, which is uh, itself raises questions about the, the 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 conditions in Afghanistan. I just heard the news that the British and other uh, Western countries um, encouraging the world to deal with the new reality and accept Taliban as the legitimate government of Afghanistan, uh, which will be a disaster uh, for Af- Afghans and Afghan people. I don't want uh, the world to sanction Afghanistan, but I want the world. And Afghan people wanted the world to sanction the Taliban leaders. There are Taliban leaders that they are meeting with British and the US officials, but they are on the list of the terrorism. And, and, and the uh, US has award for on their head. So that's that's also shows the the, uh, the irony of war and terror and this constructed a nature of a new colonial war with a lot of complexities that the afghans and other third world countries are paying the price
0: i want to ask you following up on that about how you view the american left and its position on the war in afghanistan for years of course the right from the start the american left the anti-war left uh, was uh, you know wanting the war to end uh, the war did no good in afghanistan as we know now it did no good But there is this sense now that it is more important for the U.S. to resume diplomatic relations with the Taliban in the interest of peace. And it seems as though the quality of life, the safety and security and democratic aspirations of the Afghan people are not a factor for the U.S. left or for much of the U.S. left. Do you see that as well?
1: Uh, I'm not. Unfortunately, if we go back to the beginning, from the beginning, uh, the U.S. left position and views on Afghanistan was problematic. Uh, Probably you remember when Obama was running uh, for president, he declared the Afghan war a good war. And this rhetoric or discourse of good war uh, easily accepted by majority of the U.S. left. And, and, well, and, I would and, say
0: that probably it was a sort of liberal supporters of Obama that accepted it as a good war, and then those on the so called anti imperialist left who wanted the war to end, but with no consideration for the well being of ordinary Afghans.
1: That that's true. That's true. Still, this this new kind of, uh, as you mentioned, um, image of Taliban and the, the the rhetoric that we should have a diplomatic tie with the Taliban. and and forget what's happening in Afghanistan, actually neither gonna bring peace nor stability and neither neither help Afghanistan in in general. Because Taliban is a manifestation of the colonial wars in the last 40 years in Afghanistan. So you can't have, right? Or you cannot assume that a force, right? That um, created, constructed, armed, supported by various intelligence services and countries for different reasons, right? imperialist reasons for, in that sense, to be a force to bring some sort of peace and stability. right. Forget the, the democratic values that if you don't even don't. want. To. So I, I don't think that recognizing Taliban as a sole power in Afghanistan, dealing with the Taliban having a, a diplomatic relationship it's going to bring peace or stability in Afghanistan, even if we don't think about the uh, democratic values and Afghan people. That's that's from the, 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 the logic behind it is wrong, because uh, we have to recognize and we have to know what who the Taliban are, how they were created, how they were constructed, kind of what the role they played played in the last uh, twenty to thirty years of a multiple neo-colonial war, wars and neo-colonial agendas that are played in the region. Taliban is not just a force for Afghanistan, it's a force for the region and the imperialist and colonialist interest of interest in that re- region, I think.
0: So I've been getting this question a lot and I'd like to pose it to you because I really don't have a good answer to it or at least the answers haven't changed in 20 years, which is what should one, push for in Afghanistan if one actually wants peace and stability for the region, democratic aspirations and uh, and rights for the people and human rights for the people. I mean, you know, there have been many calls for many years for international support for disarmament, for support for war crimes tribunals, to hold accountable those who have committed war crimes. That includes the Northern Alliance, the Taliban and then financial effort into grassroots initiatives, pro-democracy initiatives that are completely separate from armed fundamentalist groups. I see that as a sort of three-pronged approach that is not guaranteed and is a complex solution, but really is the best way forward for the long-term. What do you think of that? And do you agree or have anything to add or take away from that?
1: Well, uh, it is complex. Yes, I agree, it is complex. It's an accumulation of like decades of wars and games that are played in that region. and Afghanistan was chosen as a ground for that game, multiple colonial and imperialist game, no doubt. But uh, one thing is very important if we come to Afghanistan, some elements of the Taliban, yes, they can be included as a part of reality of Afghanistan, no doubt in that. any form of like direct contact that makes the Taliban the sole power right, in Afghanistan, it, 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 it's a big mistake. And it is, it is, it's, it's, it's very dangerous, not for Afghanistan, but as I say, but for the regions. We cannot sanction Afghan people, but we directly, the, the world and the community, should stand for the Afghan people and, and defend the values, the human values, the the, the human uh, humanitarian needs of Afghans, but at the same time, resist in every aspect and everywhere against the Taliban and the Talibanism. We should not liberalize Taliban. We should not um, accept the Taliban's discourses as a face value, right? and we should challenge every aspect of it. That's very important. we have to work. There are all underground forces, right? We have to work with the people of Afghanistan, with the teachers, with the women, right? With the academics, with some politicians. There are politicians that are still in Afghanistan. They haven't left and they they, they want to be supported. And also, we should not call for sanction, like a broad, like blanket sanctioning Afghanistan that's gonna hurt Afghans and Afghan people.
0: Hakim, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. I really value your insight into this. Good luck to you.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: My guest has been Hakim Naeem. He is a lecturer in history at Northern Arizona University. He grew up in Afghanistan, has lived in multiple countries as a refugee and immigrant before moving to the U.S. We've been discussing the official end of the U.S. war in Afghanistan taking place just weeks before the what would have been the 20th anniversary of that war. I'm Sonali Kolhatkar. You can access this and other interviews on our website at risingupwithsonali.com by becoming a subscriber. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at RU with Sonali.